Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance from Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. It's our goal to reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's teaching, remember you can learn more about Pastor Michael Lance, the church, how to donate, how to contact us, and the podcast when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael Lance and part two of his teaching in Revelation 11 called The Two Witnesses. If you've studied any prophecy, you've heard a lot about the 70th week of Daniel, the, sev- the 70th seven, the last seven years in Daniel 9.27. And three and a half is half of seven. Seven's that number of completion or perfection. And we keep hearing this. We keep hearing of an abomination of desolation at the midpoint, stopping the sacrifice and offering at the midpoint. I believe this is what signals and sparks the great tribulation when the Antichrist defiles the temple and all kinds of things happen from God and uh, I believe uh, his people as well. So they will tread underfoot the holy city for 42 months, but there are others, and I, and I do want to present to you other views, who say that these, these 42 months are not literal, they are symbolic. You might say symbolic of what? Well, it gets a little loose here because it, I guess it depends on the interpreter. But they say it's, it's symbolic from the death and resurrection of Jesus until all these things are fulfilled. The Gentiles will trample underfoot the holy city until Jesus returns again. And 42 months is a symbolic number. And the church will be, you know, numbered by God, we'll see in a moment, protected by God, used by God until the quote unquote 42 months is over. And until that time is over, the the people of God will be trampled. Or maybe you could even say the holy city. And we do know this, that from the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70, this went on a lot. There were a lot of wars in the area of Israel and Jerusalem, the Turkish uh, uh Uh, government and and armies. You can think of the Crusades, where Jerusalem was right at the center, the Holy Land. People were battling for Mother Jerusalem and all of that. This is all history. So there was a lot of war, a lot of tension. Sometimes uh, on these locations, a church would be built, and then it would become a mosque, depending on who was in control. And this is how things went. And so the treading underfoot, you can see quite literally, and I think the 42 months is literal as well, but this is what uh, some people argue it's not. Now, Jesus used this phrase in Luke 21. Let's go over there for a second. Luke 21, taking scripture with scripture. This is what Jesus said. He's, he's giving what we know as the Olivet Discourse, and he says these words. This is the only other place where you're going to see this a similar language about... Uh, them trampling underfoot the holy city. So this is Luke 21, verse 20. When you see Jerusalem, 2120, Jesus speaking, surrounded by armies, then recognize that her desolation is at hand. Then let those, 2121 of Luke, who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of the city depart. Let not those who are in the country enter the city, because these are days of vengeance in order that all things which are written may be fulfilled. Woe to those who are with child and to those who nurse babes in those days. For there will be great distress upon the land, wrath to this people. And they, 
will fall by the edge of the sword, verse 24, and will be led captive into all the nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot. Write down Revelation 11, because this is the only other place where you're going to see this. Trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until what happens? Until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Now, there are many who see, and and I can see this at least on one level, the fall of Jerusalem here, the Roman armies coming and so forth. But then look at what it says. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars upon the earth, dismay among nations and perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves, men fainting from fear at the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. I would submit to you that has not happened. So I do see layers here, or you could say maybe a near-far fulfillment. I think Jesus was answering the immediate question of the apostles. When are these things going to be? When's the temple going to be destroyed? One stone not left upon another. And also Jesus was casting it far into the future when a rebuilt Jerusalem temple would be there. Notice the times of the Gentiles are mentioned. In Romans 11, go over there for a second. We have a debate in the church going on right now. Is there any significance, Romans 11, to the nation of Israel? Should we even care about the nation of Israel? Should we be people on the side of the Jews? Do you know the generation that's coming up now is not really thinking biblically? The generation that's coming up, call them millennials right now, are not on the side of Israel. More and more the numbers are they're on the side of the Palestinians and There's not a whole lot of sympathy for the people of Israel, although if you look at the real evidence, you will see that Israel tries to do everything they can to be at peace with their neighbors, and it just ain't working. In Romans 11, I bring this up because there are some people that say, God's finished with Israel. We don't have to pay attention to any kind of future rebuilt temple. Don't bother doing tours to Israel because it doesn't matter. God's not going to work in ethnic national Israel again Uh, Israel is just another way of saying the church or the people of God, and that's it, and that's final. I would beg to differ on many levels. Here's one. Romans 11.25 says, I don't want you, brethren, 11.25, to be uninformed of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own estimation. And I think a lot of people fall into this category. That a partial hardening has happened to who? Israel. Until what happens? The fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And thus, all Israel, I think Israel that exists at this time, will be saved, a remnant. Just as it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion, and he will remove ungodliness from Jacob. Jacob is Israel. And this is my covenant with them. God made an unconditional covenant with Abraham, not dependent on anybody but him, when I take away their sins." If you've ever studied Romans 9, 10, and 11, you know the question that's being addressed is what happened to Israel? Is God going to work again in the nation of Israel? Paul says, I would, I would even give up you know, my right to be with Christ for my kinsmen who are my, those who are Israel, those who have the covenants and the promises and whose are the fathers, etc. God is going to work again in national Israel. That's what the Bible teaches. 
So it is important to keep your eye on that little strip of land where we often call it the holy land or the holy city, Jerusalem. Zechariah 12, as you turn back to Revelation 11, says, Behold, I'm going to make Jerusalem a cup that causes reeling to all the peoples, and around when the siege is against Jerusalem, it will also be against Judah. And it will come about in that day, Zechariah 12, 2 and 3, that I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples. All who lift it will be severely injured, and all the nations of the earth will be gathered against it, Zechariah 12, 2 and 3. And so here the temple is at the middle of what is being talked about. I was reading James Hamilton, a commentary on Revelation. He said he sees the book of Revelation in a, in a chiastic structure. And here's what he sees. He sees that in chapter 11, we're going to see something that looks like the return of Jesus Christ right smack dab in the middle of the book, 22 chapters of Revelation. Revelation 11 signals that the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Chapter 11, right in the middle of the book, in chiastic structure, if you will, kind of looking at it from both sides, this is the fulfillment of God's promises. Here's the two witnesses. I will grant, verse 3, Revelation 11, authority to my two witnesses. They will prophesy or speak God's word for how long? 1,260 days, and they will be clothed in what? In sackcloth. 1,260 days is how long? Three and a half years. Now, some people ask the question, okay, if you have a last seven years, and these guys prophesy for three and a half, which half are they prophesying on? I'm going to argue the second half. Here's why. Because all the stress and tension really happens in the second half of Daniel's 70th week. So that's my position. You can wrestle with it. But anyway, I'm going to grant them authority. They're going to prophesy for three and a half years or the second half, in my view, of Daniel's 70th week. See the word witness there? That's martus in Greek. It's the... the, a singular form is martyr. It's where we get the idea of martyr. These will be the two martyrs or the two witnesses. Who are they? Every fact in the Bible is confirmed by two to three witnesses. So that's probably why there's two. Who are they? Is it symbolic of the church being a witness in the world from the time Christ died and rose again until the second coming? That's what some people hold. Are these two literal individuals? Who are they? What can we learn about them? Why do they wear sackcloth? Not exactly the most comfortable of clothing. <laughs> Why did the prophets wear sackcloth? Why did John, John wear camel's hair? A sign of mourning, a sign of calling to the culture for repentance. Maybe we need to start dressing in sackcloth. <laughs> because this culture is in trouble. I was listening to a radio program and somebody said they were reading a, the head article from 1958 and the lead article was man writes bad checks, bank fraud. Now today the lead article of newspapers is the next shooting, the next terror thing, the next this, the next that. Violence in the last days, perilous times will come. Man, just look around. Look at what's happened to America from the time that we kicked God out of virtually everything. Well, these two, these are the two, verse 4, Revelation 11, olive trees, the two lampstands that stand before 
the Lord of the earth. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Visit the Walk in Truth store today and get the DVD series in Revelation by Michael Lance. The book of Revelation reveals the person and work of Jesus Christ. This book will give you a unique glimpse into heaven and the worship that happens there. It also reveals the future. We see the seven-sealed scroll, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the mark of the beast, and learn about the new heaven and the new earth. Join Michael Lance in these DVD series of the dramatic, often sobering book. Visit the Walk in Truth store today to order your copy of the DVDs, all available to help you dive deeper into the book of Revelation. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Now, today, the lead article of newspapers is the next shooting, the next terror thing, the next this, the next that. Violence in the last days, perilous times will come. Man, just look around. Look at what's happened to America from the time that we kicked God out of virtually everything. Well, these two, these are the two, verse 4, Revelation 11, olive trees, the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. Now, we're going to have four clues or symbols or images to give us some insight on who these may be. The first comes from Zechariah chapter 4. You don't have to turn there. Just write it down. Zechariah 4.14 literally could be translated. These are the two sons of oil. Sons of oil. The two men that are at the center of Zechariah 4 were two men that God used to rebuild the temple when the exiles came back from Babylon. They're called the post-exilic temple builders. You have Joshua, the high priest, and Zerubbabel, who was the political leader or the governor. The verse we all know, God says to Zerubbabel, this is the word of the Lord, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's Zechariah 4, 6. So these two men are God's olive trees. They they head up the building project from the standpoint of the spiritual leadership and the governmental leadership. And God says, I will empower you to do this. And the application for believers is as we witness for God, it is not by might, it is not by power, not by our power, but by what? My spirit, says the Lord. I said on Sunday, I will build my church, Jesus said. Look, the way Jesus builds his church is he does it, and we're along for the ride. It's his power. It's his gospel. Now, there are people who believe that Enoch and Elijah are the two witnesses. Why? Because there are two men in the Old Testament who did not what? They didn't die. Enoch was walking with God, and he was not, for God 
took him. And people said, where's Enoch? I don't know. Where'd he go? I don't know. Right? And then Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind. And so people say, based upon Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed unto man to die once. And after this comes the judgment. Elijah and Enoch got to come back and die just like everybody else, man. However, hold on a second. Wait, that's not the best reasoning. There's going to be a whole generation that's not going to die. Because at the last trump, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And a lot of us would like to be that generation. We'd like for it to be pre-tribulational rapture. That, we, that way we could avoid a lot of problems and just be caught up with the Lord. Praise the Lord, right? There's going to be a whole generation that doesn't die. By the way, there's also people in the New Testament accounts who died were raised by Jesus and apparently died again. The little 12-year-old girl in the Gospel of Luke. Lazarus, who was dead in the tomb four days. The widow's son at Nain. To our knowledge, they all died, lived again, and died again. That's dying twice. So there are some exceptions to the rule. So don't get, don't make your view of who the two witnesses might be just based on Hebrews 9.27, because there's a little wiggle room there. You know, that is the normal mode of things. But anyway, so there are people who think that. There are others who hold that this is Moses and Elijah who have come back uh, to be these witnesses. Here's why. Verse 5. If anyone desires to harm them, and apparently many will, fire proceeds out of their mouth and devours their enemies. Now, I... I have prayed for this gift. Uh, you know, every now and then, wouldn't it be cool just to have a, like, you know, there was apparently fire-breathing dragons at one time. So you'd, Now, I know some of your friends have what you might call holy halitosis. And uh, this is not that. Okay, this is. Now, some people think that this is symbolic. And, and, of course, we'd have to argue that it is. However we take this, it seems to be symbolic. Is it the fire of their message? Is it them kind of putting their, their enemies down with the word or the power of their prophecy? Perhaps. It devours their enemies. Verse uh, middle of five. If anyone would desire to harm them in this manner, he must be killed. Talk about power. Now, this is why you could see that some people would have some problems with taking this too literally, right? This seems to be some sort of symbolic language. In Numbers 16, verse 35, it says, Fire came forth from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering the incense under Moses. In 2 Kings 1, verses 10 through 15, the evil king came to get Elijah. And they, he came with 50 as a captain and Elijah says, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. And fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. Zap, boom, see you later. So he sent him another captain of 50 with his, uh, of, with his 50. And again, he said, if I'm a man of, of God, let fire come down. And they were consumed. And the third captain came to Elijah and said, oh, Elijah. He bowed down on his knees before Elijah and begged him and said, Oh, you're a man of God. I believe it. I do believe in spooks. I do, I do, I do. Sorry, that's just little Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I believe you're a man of God. Please, 
There's enough barbecuing that's gone on around here, right? Well, he got spared. So Elijah had the power to call fire down, even when he made that sacrifice and the fire came and answered, God answered by fire. Moses seemed to have that power to call upon the Lord. So notice something else about these. This is why some people believe they're Moses and Elijah. And by the way, this, this power shows that the God of heaven is the true God. Verse 6, these have the power to shut up the sky in order that rain may not fall during the days of their prophesying. They have power over the waters to turn them into blood. Who did that? Moses. To smite the earth with every plague as often as they desire. Wow. This is amazing power. They can pray and it won't rain. They have power to turn the waters into blood, to smite the earth with every plague as often as they desire. So you have uh, the second example, the fire coming down from heaven could speak of divine protection. The third example here comes also from the ministry of Elijah who prayed that it wouldn't rain. 1 Kings 17.1, James 5.17, by the way, says that when he prayed it wouldn't rain, James 5.17, it didn't rain for three years and six months. Hmm. And in the book of Luke, Jesus says, I say to you in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the sky was shut up for three years and six months. That's Luke 4, verse 25. You've been listening to Pastor Michael Lance on Walk in Truth. This has been part two of his teaching in Revelation chapter 11 about the two witnesses. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first... Remember, you can listen to today's teaching again and previous teachings in the book of Revelation when you visit our website, walkintruth.com. Walk in Truth is also available for free on many podcast apps, apps like iHeartRadio, iPodcast, Spotify, Google Music, and many more. Search Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe. Walk in Truth is a ministry supported by faithful listeners like you. A monthly pledge of at least $5 goes a long way to make sure we can pay for everything that goes into producing this program. We appreciate everyone that supports Walk in Truth, and we hope you become a $5 partner too. To give online, visit walkintruth.com. To give by mail, make your donation out to Walk in Truth. Our mailing address is Walk in Truth, P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. That's Walk in Truth, P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. And thank you for your partnership in this mission to reach out with God's Word. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, hey, I'm Pastor Michael Lance. Remember, you can purchase the DVD teachings in Revelation on the seven seals on the 144,000 and the great multitude. You can get more on the new heavens and the new earth. You can find out more about the Mark of the Beast. These are some of the products we have available from the book of Revelation at walkintruth.com. If you want to avail yourself to that, go ahead and click on the store tab at walkintruth.com and you can access this teaching and you can even check out other products that would benefit your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, check it out today at walkintruth.com. Now, I'd like to invite you to tomorrow night's worship service at 7 p.m. as we're going verse by verse through the book of Job, the problem of evil, 
and the power of the gospel. You know, the only answer to the problem of evil, the only real satisfying answer, is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, finding our answers in a God who entered into our pain in the person of Jesus. You know, he is the greater Job. He suffered without a cause. He was hated without a cause. He suffered, if you will, the cumulative sufferings of mankind. He took the wrath. He took the punishment, though completely innocent. You know, Job was blameless, but he wasn't innocent. He wasn't sinless. Jesus was. And the book of Job ultimately points us to Jesus Christ. That's why it's called the problem of evil and the power of the gospel. Hey, if you'd like to check out the teaching in the book of Job, join us at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. It's the great church behind Walk in Truth. We're located at 1009 Arsenal Way, 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona, right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. You can download the free Living Truth app to get the details. Look for that red logo with the pillars. Download it today in your app store. And you can even catch up on the teaching from the book of Job and get ministered to in that way and prepare you to come on out on a Wednesday night. Be sure to come back tomorrow to hear part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Revelation 11 about the two witnesses. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. In addition to our faithful listeners and financial partners, this program is made possible by our staff, Executive Administrator Pastor Mike Rizzi, Audio and Video Technician Nathan Lance, Program Director Rob Newton, Graphic Arts Director Brenda Lance, Walk in Truth Store Admin Larry Bondi, Financial Admin Claudia Rizzi, and Senior Pastor Michael Lance. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to reach out with God's truth to all people.